Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the AccuWeather Podcast. Hit it, Andy. Yes. We're going. We're going back to Tinseltown. (laughs) We are. We're going Hollywood. Uh, And uh, Ken Prowl, we convinced him to sit in with us on this uh, intro. Say hi, Ken. Say something. Convince me. (laughs) I've been waiting 16 episodes to be invited onto the AccuWeather podcast. He's always just been kind of lurking in the background. (laughs) That's me. So we said, give him a mic. I desperately wanted to be a part of this show. The guy is not going away. Somebody give him a mic. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, we're playing Hollywood. So, of course, it's another installment of Weather in the The Movies. movies. uh, Yep. Episode two, and this time we uh, are going to be talking about Sharknado. <laughs> Fantastic! I, yeah. I don't know how you guys roped me into this one. Annual uh-huh. Oscar winner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a new episode coming out, so that's why we want to kind of talk I, about Sharknado. I still can't believe they're actually have made six <laughs> of these films. Six, six. How? Unbelievable that hey, they made good one. Good for Ian Ziering and. Uh, uh, Tara Reid. Oh, right? Tara Reid, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That they oh. actually have some work. Oh, there's actors that we know yeah, in yes. it. <laughs> okay. They were once respectable. They were at once one time. respectable. So, anyway, we have Sharknado that we're going to be talking about. And we also are going to be talking about The Perfect Storm. Now, uh, we have some meteorologists that are sitting down with us. Once again, we have meteorologist Jesse Farrell, uh, Je- uh, Becky DePodwin, and this time we've invited in meteorologist Dave Dombeck, yeah. who just happened to be here when the perfect storm hit back in 1991. Yep, and he's going to share some of his experiences from working here at AccuWeather while that was happening. And uh, so we'll do something a little serious, and we'll also get to the uh, ridiculous side of how weather can factor into some movies, whether some of our favorites or not some of our favorites. Dave, Dave already told me he's not sticking around for the Sharknado part of this, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, this podcast. Yeah, he's only in for the perfect storm part, so the respectable part. Then it all just digresses from there, so stay tuned. From our global headquarters in State College, Pennsylvania, it's the AccuWeather Podcast. Here's your host, Regina Miller. Well, I'm joined in the studio now by Jesse, Becky, and Dave, and we are talking about the movie The Perfect Storm. This will be the first movie that we're talking about. So thank you all for sitting down with me today. Well, let me just quickly give a synopsis of that. So The Perfect Storm is based on the true story about the Andrea Gale, which is a commercial fishing boat that set sail from Gloucester, Massachusetts in the end of October 1991, and then the boat uh, got caught in what was later dubbed The Perfect Storm and then never returned again. So it stars a couple of my favorites, uh, George Clooney. We talked about this, Becky. George Clooney and Mark Wahlberg. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, there there is a movie in and of itself. Yep. <laughs> Just having the two of them on it. But um, I also have a clip of this because we want to talk about the actual storm itself. Weather's been spitting faxes every hour. They're running out of scary words. It's being called the worst storm in recorded history. Hurricane Grace is accelerating off of Sable Island. Once it starts, no force on Earth can stop it. These storms have collided. 
I wanted to bring you, Dave, especially in on this because you were here when the perfect storm occurred at AccuWeather, right? That is correct, yes. That was uh, quite the unique situation. It was actually a time of the year where things were pretty quiet. Normally, you know, if you don't have hurricanes or tropical storms going on at that time of the year, it's kind of a quiet time. You're right. before the winter, the big winter storms. You're after the big, you know, the thunderstorm season in the, you know, in the, in the summer. And typically the middle of fall is a quiet time. And it certainly was that way in other parts of the country, in the Midwest mm -hmm. and central Pennsylvania was pretty quiet. But we had this situation where it really was the perfect, it was a good, good that name. That was a good name it for was, it, right? It was a good name because it's not too often, it's very rarely that you would see three things kind of coming all into play at the same time. Obviously it had Hurricane Grace, which is not unusual to have a hurricane out in the ocean somewhere in late October near right. Bermuda. So that's that's not an unusual thing. But just the, the upper air pattern, the way it's set up, was there was a strong um, upper level trough, a big dip in the jet stream coming down into the northeast uh, toward New England. There was a strong cold front and everything just kind of came into play. One fed off of the other and literally everything did combine and merge and phase together into this monster storm. I mean, Hurricane Grace alone was a you know, it was, a, it was a substantial storm. But when you combine that other energy uh, with the other factors in there, that's what made it uh, such a powerful storm. So it kind of blew up at that point. Uh, just the, the storm just magnified in intensity like crazy once it... it exactly, it blew up. But here's the, here's the thing. You could have had that happen, and it could have been hundreds of miles or a thousand miles out in the ocean, and as meteorologists, we call them fish storms. I mean, they just, right. they affect the shipping lanes, they're out over the fishes in the ocean, and it really wouldn't have been that big of a deal. But the way the upper air pattern set up, the upper flow caught that storm, and then it actually swirled it around, and it made some loops offshore, and it actually came back toward the coast, close enough to the coast that it was a major impact, especially for New England. Right. Somewhat down to New York City and the mid-Atlantic coast, but was more so in New England. But it, instead of it being able to escape out to sea and move away, it actually got captured and then it rotated around some and came back closer to the coast. And as it did that, it just kind of sat there and sat there and spun and spun. And so it was the, the duration of the storm. Right. Uh, it's that one thing to get problem. Yeah, powerful right. winds and, and lashing surf and everything at the, at the coast for a 12 hour period to deal with it. It's over, it's gone. But that was days, that was like three days. It was just pounding the, the, the coast for that amount of time. And that's what made it as bad as it did. It just kept piling the water right. up against the, the coast of New England. Well, what, uh, what, what are your thoughts, guys, on how the movie did in depicting this? Becky? A lot of it was actually fa fairly accurate, but maybe just a bit Hollywoodized. Whatever. <laughs> I like that. Hollywoodized. <laughs> that yeah. works. Um, I have a couple of quotes. You know, the storms have collided. They're exploding. That's actually fairly accurate. It is called explosive cyclogenesis uh, when storms rapidly strengthen and the low pressure drops significantly. So in that context, it, the storm kind of did grow rapidly and strengthen rapidly. Um, and then you're sailing into a bomb. Also a bit dramatized, but not entirely inaccurate with, with the way the winds were and the waves. Like, it, it was very violent, very chaotic. Uh, it's it's a strong term, but I, I can't imagine being out there in those seas. It was a crazy storm for, uh, like you said, Dave, because normally it would be the fishes are being right. affected unless right. you're somebody going after 
the fishes, exactly. which is exactly yeah. what they were doing. Yeah, good so, point. yeah, good point. yeah. Yep. So, what did you think about it, Jesse? Uh, as Becky mentioned, um, the words that were used to describe it are, are not out of the realm of uh, what meteorologists might say about it. For example, bomb storm is a is a term that we throw around. It does have a a very specific drop in pressure required to classify as bomb storm, uh, but perfect storm probably did that. I've looked back at some charts. So, was it mm-hmm. kind of like an upper air pattern that kind of negatively tilted and just kind of pulled it back in. Was it a little bit like Sandy? Would it be like yeah, that? Yeah, Sandy is the of? storm that I hear it compared to most frequently, I think, because it was a combination of two storms and kind of made meteorologists have a little bit of deja vu back to the perfect storm. Sandy was really its own thing and and was different in many ways, but because it was a combination of two storms, it it did kind of harken back to the perfect storm in 91. And with the perfect storm, uh, you didn't have as much, rain was not as big of a factor where it was with Sandy. Yeah, and Uh, it never made, it didn't get close enough. Yeah, Yeah. but the coastal flooding was the winds and the tides running way, way above normal with the water just being forced against the coast. That was the, it was the coastal flooding and the and the winds right. were the biggest thing with the with the perfect storm. And as far as the wave at the end that did them in, there were reports from a buoy of 100 foot waves with the perfect storm. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find out for sure if that was ever accepted into the official record books, but it was at least measured by a buoy, and you certainly would think that um, the buoy probably didn't catch the biggest wave, so there could have been even bigger yeah, waves. Yeah, because what are the chances right. that that buoy They're out very, in the ocean caught mm, the biggest wave? Right. So that was probably right. like the median uh, wave that well, might I have think, been out there at the time. Uh, they talk about significant wave heights. Um, and the significant wave heights for the perfect storm were probably around 30 meters, and usually the highest waves are three times the significant wave height, I believe. Now, we were talking earlier about this, Becky, before we actually started recording, where you were talking about there were glimpses where you thought it was so sad, wasn't it? Like, the, at, at the end, I was crying, but, like, the mm-hmm. glimpses where they thought they were going to get out, especially because you know it was, like, a true story. So oh, you're yeah. like, wow, sure. like, how sad. But where they thought they might get out. Yeah, well, Jesse and I were saying there's the the scene where the sun shines for just a brief moment and they feel like they have hope. We speculate that might have been when they were going through the eye of the the storm itself, but I'm I'm not totally sure that's true because the maps that they show, which I think were actually pretty accurate maps, the the weather charts Mm -hmm. they would print out on their boats, kind of shows them kind of threading this this needle in between the two pressure systems. So there's a little bit of discrepancy there. Because I think the eye makes sense for it to be sunny briefly and then have the hardest impacts hit, which Mm -hmm. is what happened. I tend to agree with you, Becky, in that even if that wasn't accurately what was happening um, based on the charts, I think they wanted you to have that belief that they were in the eye. Because I think right after that, like George Clooney says something about she's not going to let us out. So, you Mm. know, he's looking and seeing, oh, wait. This is, in the, we're in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I kind of get the impression that even if that wasn't accurately what would have been happening, that's kind of what they, what they meant uh, to as happen. As far as people being, you know, killed at sea by big storms, that, that happens a lot or happened a lot in the past when people didn't have access to accurate weather forecasts. Um, you know, the Edmund Fitzgerald. Yeah, that's uh, the storm that was com- what's coming. What's that? Is another famous <laughs> the record. Oh, the record. Emmett, because that was Lake Superior, fam- right? Yep. Yeah, that was Gord- on the Gordon Great Lake, Lakes. The Gordon Wright song. song. That yeah. is a good yep. song, yeah. yeah. Another sad scenario. Sad scenario, yep. yeah. I mean, if they would have made, you know, what, another 15 miles or so, they, they probably would not have, that boat would not have sunk. So that's another, it's like a sad story. They almost, they almost got there and they didn't. It's like you, you knew that it was, it was going to happen, you know. Right. 
that was 1975, and of course this is 91. It was mm -hmm. many years later, but it was still that like sad situation. It's like you knew it's like oh, yeah, know, almost got there and just just didn't quite happen. Right. What was it like to be here? Because you were watching the storm evolving. It, and yeah, and and it was one of those things where we knew. We, we knew the potential was there, but it's literally, it's like we were like reacting on the fly. Because this mm -hmm. was now, remember, and, and Jesse would know, this is even before he was going to school. I think I had just started uh, my freshman year of college okay. in 91. Yeah. So. And so, the, you know, the, the number of models, the number of the guidance that we had, yeah, we had, we, there were computer models and we had, <laughs> but it was, it was definitely, you know, compared to what we have today. The number of models was, was two, as I recall. Uh, that, that was, <laughs> it was two. And you had satellite, you had good support, yep. but mm -hmm. still, yep. um, it was, it was not, it was one of those things where, you know, trying to forecast what actually happened, even like two, three days ahead, it, we didn't quite catch it. It was like we were always playing a catch-up game, trying to really portray what actually is happening here with the weather and so it was like reacting to the data that we're seeing as, as it's unfolding in front of our eyes that really was it was not like oh yeah yeah we hit this storm you know right. 10 no way right. we didn't hit it four days out we didn't hit it three days the the magnitude of it we knew the potential was there for a pretty major storm and a major event but not to the magnitude that it happened which you I, could I, see I, I why could, the I fishing boat you, would be you know, because they're already out at a certain oh, yeah. area. Sure, it's not sure. like we can yep. turn around and be out of this area yep. in 24 hours. Right. We are wherever we are for well, They, were, they were way out. They mentioned the Flemish Cap, and I'm like, where is this? So I Googled it. It's, it's several hundred miles off the coast of Nova Scotia. Like, right. it is really, really far out. Way out there, right. yeah. Even if they had heard about, when they did, they, they, they heard about the storm, but they didn't even have a chance to, mm -mm. to make it back. They wouldn't have. They would have had to have sailed through it or it would have hit them at some point. Right. And right. probably not one of those storms where we would say, oh, yeah, we're going to put a feather in our cap. It is a big victory. Yeah, we did a, a great job with it as it was unfolding and getting the message out. But as far as, like, from a forecasting standpoint, from a long range, mm -hmm. like, out distance, I don't think any of the meteorologists really hit this, the magnitude yeah, of it. It right. was a lot harder to forecast that type of thing back then and even harder to communicate it. I mean, these mm -hmm. days, if you're on a boat, you know, you probably have satellite internet and you can get the information immediately. But even if the forecast would have been perfect, there would have been no way to get that information to this, these yeah. guys and on the, the boat. And the time frame that they needed. Yeah. To, yeah. So your vote on this is accuracy of the actual storm was pretty good and how they described yeah. it. Yeah. Now, Certainly compared to some other movies <laughs> yeah. out there. Well, we just, we're talking about Sharknado coming no, up. So no. if you really want to know about accuracy, <laughs> in movies yep. you, want, you want to listen to that part of it but so the things i think that we don't know were really that storyline that they had because we don't know right you don't know what why you don't they know. turned around like in the movie you know where somebody was dragged off with the rope um like and where their ice maker broke and they had like so we don't know we can only speculate what they're what they were going through out there. Right. So that's mm -hmm. the fictional part of the movie, right. but it makes yeah. it a great movie. But I do think that they talked to some of the people who were there on land yeah. um, to help make the plot fairly reasonable. Mm -hmm. Although they also got sued by some of the folks in the movie because they used their real names. Oh, oh, I didn't Side know that note. part of it. I, yeah. I could tell you from my reaction, seeing the movie for the first time, I, my wife and I saw it in the movie theater. And watching that, I mean, I, I was almost getting, like, chills. It was a good place to watch it in the theater. <laughs> Knowing that, I mean, I lived through that I mean, yeah, as a meteorologist, right. and I, I know that. And, and like, like Becky said, it was pretty accurate, you know. I mean, it was a movie. It was Hollywood. But still, I think overall they did a pretty good job, and it was like almost like I was getting chills 
knowing that you know I I lived through that. I mean I mm-hmm. I know it. I mean you I, were I, a I, forecaster. I was a forecaster of when the perfect that was, storm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a really pretty really neat feeling. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was neat too how they showed the the hurricane hunters flying through. It was a brief mm-hmm. brief scene, mm-hmm. but they did show the hurricane hunters, and then they called out the winds, 140 knots, 140 miles per hour. I'm not sure. And they also showed the local Boston meteorologist mm-hmm. looking at the satellites, seeing all the ingredients come together. And I'd have to imagine that's what you guys were looking mm-hmm. at. You were seeing all of these things slowly piecing together. And so I really like that aspect of showing what the forecasters were looking at and then and their reaction. Yeah. And their yeah, reactions reaction. were well done. There, there were a yeah. couple of colorful words <laughs> said on, on <laughs> yes. the forecasting floor, I am that sure day, which we will were. not say right now. <laughs> yeah, I am sure there were. Well, one thing I was really impressed that when I came away from the movie, one of the things I was really impressed with was the meteorological knowledge and uh, chart reading that a fishing boat's captain would have mm, to absolutely. have, yeah. you know, and what yeah. kind of training, because I guess I never really considered the amount of training and awareness of weather patterns. Mm-hmm. Especially back then with, again, mm-hmm. no, you know, very little communication to a ship. You really had to know your stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So thumbs up, thumbs down. What, what do you give it, Becky? Thumbs up, 100%. Everybody gives it a thumbs up. Thumbs yeah. up. It left me crying at the end yeah. when they were holding hands on her mom and, and she was holding. George so, Clooney gets you every time. Oh, oh gets, yeah. gets me every time. Yeah, George Clooney and Mark Wahlberg. So uh, thanks so much. Thank you. Just want to mention that Weather in Movies is uh, something that we're going to continue to do as an ongoing series. So if you have a movie you'd like us to discuss the weather in this particular movie, um, then just send us an email at accuweather.podcast at accuweather.com. So now, uh, before we get started, I want to ask you, what's the worst movie you've ever seen in your entire life, Becky? (laughs) You'll see why I'm heading in this direction. Oh, that's a good question. I mean, the one we're going to discuss is is pretty pretty high up on that list. Okay. <laughs> what about you, Jesse? I actually recently watched Hurricane Heist, which was a movie about the U.S. Treasury being robbed during a hurricane. And that and was pretty bad. That was extremely bad. <laughs> I paid twenty seven cents for it, and I want my money back. <laughs> so anyway, the reason I'm asking is because the worst movie I'd ever seen in my entire life, I think, was probably Roadhouse. Up until I saw Sharknado. So now it's Sharknado, and I'm sure that number two will be any of the many sequels that come after Sharknado that we're going to talk about. So anyway, Jesse, uh, how about you give me the synopsis on the storyline? What was what was the concept of Sharknado? What was the storyline? Well, the concept for the original movie was that um, uh, unusual cyclone, I guess, hurricane affects uh, Los Angeles and brings with it water spouts that pick up sharks and rain them down on the masses, eating people on the on their way down. <laughs> and, and after they land, they still got up and ate people. So. Right. So they were like miles inland. So we had yeah. sharks pretty much all over Southern California. And the hero in this one was a former surfer or something right yeah his name was finn so uh give me your thoughts on the movie becky it it was terrible (laughs) (laughs) like the only scrap of semi-accurate information is that fish can actually be picked up by tornadoes and deposited elsewhere but these are usually very small fish not obviously entire sharks um and it's really rare for water spouts to form off of the coast of of california southwestern california it, it was it was pretty terrible. The storyline <laughs> was awful. The plot was awful. It got worse as it went on into the the whole franchise, which uh, the sixth movie is playing this month. 
but it just got more and more ridiculous. In the fourth movie, there was um, a nuke NATO when a water spout hit a nuclear plant, uh, (laughs) lightning NATO, hail NATO, oil NATO when it hit an oil field. Well, even the name itself is wrong, right? Because, okay, if it's forming over water, it's not a tornado. Correct. It would technically be a shark spout until it moved on shore, and then it would be a sharknado. That doesn't have quite the same ring as sharknado. Sharknado sounds so much better. It was a really terrible movie. It only got a 3.3 on IMDb, but it's gotten a cult following, and it actually was recently uh, labeled the most successful movie franchise of all time as far as sales. It's uh, Are you serious? The original Sharknado movie was made for estimated... Uh, million dollar budget but it's they've actually sold 4.5 billion what (laughs) that's unbelievable to me wow so it definitely has a cult following just because it's it's so ridiculous it's so ridiculous well you know what it reminds me of do you guys ever were you ever fans of like mystery science theater a little bit Mm -hmm. yeah did you watch that because i used to watch that where you just it's one of those movies where you sit with your buddies and like you just bust on it the whole way through and insert your own quotes and i'm like so it's great for that and and we know that the weather was just a mechanism to provide sharks to eat people all across southern california (laughs) so i know that that uh technically they probably weren't too worried about how the uh weather broke down in it but just for the sake of i don't know talking about weather in this movie what about the idea of a hurricane of that magnitude in southern california of that magnitude probably not very likely but hurricanes do move up the coast of of western mexico uh, and western southwestern california it's currently hurricane john is it a hurricane now uh it's veering away from the coast right now i believe but it is bringing heavy rain rip currents stuff like that to to the coast um so it's not unprecedented there can be tropical storms even hurricanes uh, that move kind of that general direction in terms of making landfall, it's it's fairly rare, but it, it's not unprecedented. I would say they're usually probably lower end uh, yeah, hurricanes. The, the problem is the water is very cold off the coast of California, so any tropical storm that moves over that water is going to quickly dissipate. And the general flow of the, of the ocean currents usually steers storms more out to sea. Do we have a clip? Because this part was funny to me. I like it, but how is that going to stop a tornado? Tornadoes happen when cold and warm air meet. Now, if you drop a bomb head right in the middle of it, you just might equalize it. So how how realistic <laughs> is his description there? Throwing a bomb into a storm has been something that the public has long speculated about, but the physics of it, uh, in reality, it's, it's not really very successful to do that. It wouldn't be. I mean, it's never really been tried, except for in Sharknado and, and a few other films. Geostorm. But. Yeah. Oh, did they do that in Geostorm? See, I didn't see Geostorm. See, I actually really like Geostorm. We're getting off topic, but Uh, that can be... Well, there we go. I mean, that's one of the next movies, because I did not see Geostorm. Yeah, that could be next time. Right. That was a really bad movie, I thought. (laughs) So Becky and I disagree on that again. (laughs) Oh, it was terrible, but I loved it. (laughs) Yeah. This one was terrible, but I'll tell you, I had to quit watching. I I really got through most of it. Um, But whenever the scene came where the, he had a chainsaw and the shark came down on him and they thought Finn, um, our hero, had died when the shark landed on him. But then all of a sudden you hear the of the chainsaw and he comes slicing through and I was like, okay, I'm done. And I'm looking and I'm like, I think there's 10 minutes left, but I pretty much got the gist of this. 
it, like all sci-fi movies, sci-fi referring to the network, um, it is a little, uh, it has that cheesy horror aspect where it's a little gory, and it, but it's still just ridiculous because the effects are bad. Right, right. So no storyline. And like I said, I think they just used weather as a mechanism to be able to get all those sharks into uh, Southern California. And I like the scene of um, Santa Monica Pier where they had the um, Ferris wheel kind of rolling through Southern California and like Hollywood Boulevard. You see like that. That, that happens a lot in the Sharknado movies, the major... Uh, oh, it breaks loose more than once. Well, not that, but, uh, <laughs> you know, there's additional scenes in the subsequent movies from uh, Paris, uh, London, uh, Universal, Orlando, and uh, those types of things happen again. And is it always Finn? Is he always the hero in it? He's always the hero. Wow, so everywhere he goes, don't go anywhere that Finn goes, because right. clearly everywhere that he goes, like you're, there's going to be sharks. Like we really, follow. we really thought we'd lost him at the end of Sharknado Five last year. <laughs> but just quickly, how do we almost lose him in Five? Well, at the very end, he was eaten by a shark, which was eaten by another shark, which was eaten <laughs> by a larger shark, which was eaten by a whale. Oh, oh hold, hold hold on. <laughs> so Finn in a shark that's in a shark that's in a shark that's in a whale. Yes. Oh my gosh. So we won't spoil it because what viewers can stay tuned for is how he managed to get out of what one two three four consecutive large sea beast and, here. Really good and chainsaw. Meanwhile, uh, April, his uh, ex-wife, is plummeting back down to earth after being eaten by a shark in space. <laughs> And oh, she, a shark was in space. And she gives birth on the way down to, <laughs> so, to a kid. Oh, my so. God. It only gets better. Becky, I wow. thought this was as good as it gets. Wow. But it clearly gets so much better. Who thinks of these things? One of the reviews on Wikipedia I read said that, obviously, they're, you know people just yell things out in a meeting and then that goes into the script without any further review so you know what it's got to be fun though to sit in that meeting yeah like i i wouldn't mind just kind of sitting in there and just throwing out some random you know ideas of what can happen to finn in the next one and right after that at the very end of sharknado 5 um time travel was added so that's going to be part of of sharknado 6 yeah right right (laughs) why not so tell me what moviegoers (laughs) can look forward to in the one that's coming out on the 19th of August. Well, the mission of our of our hero in the last Sharknado apparently is to is to time travel back to a time before Sharknados and and fix that problem so that the world doesn't get uh, completely destroyed by sharks. He is the most amazing surfer dude ever to figure this out. So, well, thanks. Thanks for spending some time talking to me about this movie. And uh, Becky, thank you for suffering through it. Uh, Jesse, he enjoys them, so he'd watch it anyway. You know, you mentioned Mystery Science uh, Theater 3000. I think the modern equivalent of that might be live tweeting. And this movie definitely lends itself to live tweeting. I've live tweeted the last couple of them, and we'll do the same for the one coming up on uh, August 19th. Can I I point out one thing really quick? Jesse's Jesse's shirt has a shark on it. Oh, that's... (laughs) I didn't even notice that. I'm just, just going to point that out. You just, That's just, perfect. Just, ha- just had to point that out. So <laughs> This is great. So, Jesse, if people want to live tweet uh, and join you in this venture, uh, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, it's Accu underscore Jesse, J-E-S-S-E. Is there going to be a hashtag that people can follow along? Uh, it's usually hashtag Sharknado and the movie number. So hashtag Sharknado 6, I'm pretty sure is what it will be this time. <laughs> and if you'd, if you'd like more information on the Sharknado series of movies. Um, I'm going to publish a blog today as well at uh, weathermatrix.accuweather.com. Oh, that's great. Team Sharknado.
We are not on it. I'm not on Team Finn either. No, I don't care if they all just destroy each other. Well, thanks again to our guests, meteorologists Dave Dombeck, Becky DePodwin, and Jesse Farrell for sitting down to talk about movies this week. Hey, before we get out of here, congratulations to you, Regina, and uh, all the AccuWeather Network now on DirecTV. I know. Pretty exciting stuff now. Uh, we're at uh, DirecTV. Everyone that picks that up, plus yep. we're on the Verizon Fios uh, network. So. Frontier channels. So, yeah, but if you have DirecTV, channel uh, 361. Right, and uh, you know what? We're just taking over. <laughs> We're taking over the globe That's here right. in weather. Uh, hopefully, you don't you don't get too big for us, yeah. and you still like to hang out with Who's Andy and I. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I he was going to get it, my yeah. coffee. Was that's he it, Andy. Was, who's the guy that's supposed to get I my coffee? Who gave him might, a mic? He might be the new coffee guy. <laughs> <laughs> he might be. Well, thank you. Now Ken. I know why I've never been invited on this show. I'm just a punching bag over here. <laughs> you are. So yeah, obviously you're the comic relief over there. So. Uh, but thanks, Ken. We're yep. all pretty excited about it at the network. And uh, also, we have a pretty good show coming up next week. Yeah, we're going to be uh, taking a look into sports, certain events of sports. Oh, I was hoping events. Regina would plug it because she's been talking about sporty balls. And, sporty uh, ball and yeah. shooty hoops. <laughs> shooty what hoops. was the other one, Andy? Uh, puck, uh, puck pass. Puck pass. Yeah. Yeah. But no, next week's going to be pretty cool. Uh, AccuWeather meteorologist and voice of uh, Penn State football, Beaver yeah. Stadium, uh, Dean DeVore is going to be joining us. Give us a little behind the scenes of uh, what goes into planning sporting events uh, and how the weather impacts them. Right, and uh, football season's right around the corner, yeah, so yeah. Mm-hmm. big excitement. And I think uh, Bernie right now, once he heard we were talking about some football, he's going to want to join like, us I, as well. He's like, I've got to get in yep, on yep, this. Yep. So, <laughs> that was a pretty good little <laughs> That was an excellent Bernie, Bernie impression. Yeah. So, so uh, be sure to tune in for that episode, and thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to the AccuWeather podcast, giving you the stories behind the weather, discussions on trending weather topics, and so much more. New episodes every Thursday. Just search for AccuWeather on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite shows. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.